0: Alright, welcome one and all to episode 17 of the Amazing Rare Podcast. I'm your co-host, Holt.
1: And I'm Kofi. It's been a couple of weeks, I think, since we've um, come back, but now we're ready to talk some post-celebrations hangover, as well as some other new TCG news that's come out in the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, I mean, we have definitely haven't been as active in the past couple of weeks. I feel like both of us have really busy fall schedules. Like, I'm starting out my track training again, and uh, I'm more involved with my track club now. I'm on the board of directors for it, so... um Yeah. Yeah, based on, based on that, I know that I'm busy outside of this, but um, still more than happy to keep the podcast going. I mean, just thinking we're on episode 17, about to get to episode 20, it's, uh, it's a big deal that we still keep this going and, and have fun with it.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. Life comes at you fast when you're in your mid-20s, but it's cool to still have this podcast, a little escape. Come on and just um, talk about the game we all love, Talk Fox TCG News, share some stuff we've collected, share our big polls. It's a great time.
0: Yeah, so in our last episode we went over our initial reactions for Pokémon Celebrations. Today I think will be our last heavy coverage of the Celebrations set unless something crazy happens in the next few yeah. weeks. Mm. But we're we're dubbing this episode the Post Celebrations Hangover so we can look back at everything, look at the current state of uh, of the 25th anniversary, reflect on that and move on to move on to new th- new things.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And I think part of that
1: is the, both of us kind of shifting towards more vintage collecting, different eras of vintage, but still vintage.
0: And we'll probably talk about that a little bit later, after we cover some more of the celebration stuff real quick. Uh, we'll be talking about vintage in our our recent <laughs> pulls and deals and sales. I can tell you that. Oh yeah. All uh, right. So, so what have, what have you picked up recently, Holt? What What do you got? Well, let's see. Just before we we had our pre-production meeting, um, I was grocery <laughs> shopping for my uh, my grandmother. And I was in talks with somebody on Offer Up about a uh, a base set sealed blister pack um, th- with a Venusaur art. And I, I picked that up for uh, a decent price. And it was a little sad, too, because it was this woman that was selling on behalf of her husband. They're looking to sell through um, his trading card game collection due to medical hardship. I mean, obviously, it's impolite to pry, so I didn't do that. But I, I just felt really bad. But at the same mm. time... At least it's a little bit of money going towards them, uh, towards their medical expenditure. And she had also told me that, you know, since I was, I was willing to pay the, uh, the offered price and everything, that she had like a bunch of totes to go through with like NFL, MLB cards. She said if there was any more Pokemon, I'd be the first to know. And so, I, I mean, that seems kind of like a win-win for the both of us because they're looking to make quick money to, to pay the bills and everything. I'm looking to collect vintage. Oh so, yeah, I'd be into um, I'd
1: be into that collection as well. If they get any mid-vintage stuff, you know, I like the stuff from the early 2000s, any of that EX stuff. If they have any of that, I will take it off their hands. I'll Venmo you as quickly as possible. To get, yeah,
0: to get, absolutely. To get a piece that. I'm I'm gonna let you and a few other buddies know about what they have available in the future because it seems like they really do need the help. And yeah. for the stuff that they're offering, it's it's worth it. Yeah, it's so, like in
1: this country that people have to liquidate their assets for health reasons all the time, but
0: Yeah, and it's uh, it's something that I've in. seen kind of kind of frequently in the Pokemon trading card game community. A lot of those popular pages, they uh they'll highlight when a friend is in need and they're they're looking to liquidate their sets due to medical hardship or they just yeah. had a baby recently and they're yeah. looking to to make a little extra money to to make ends meet. So I feel like that's picked up a lot over the past year. I don't know if all of it's, you know, just pandemic related and people contracting COVID with worse than normal symptoms, but Mm. at any rate, it's, it's still a little sad to see that. But, um, you know, knowing that that people are willing to sell product for for reasonable prices just to make ends meet, it's, it's something I don't mind helping out with. I mean, Mm. maybe it's not the, the full value that it should go for, but if that's the price they're setting it for, that's the price it's going to sell
1: for, you know. Exactly. Um, right. Have you pulled anything from a uh, sealed product? Have you been
0: opening anything? Um, I haven't really been opening anything recently since our uh, last Celebrations talk in our last episode. I think I opened up like maybe one or two more Celebrations boxes and I finally pulled the, uh, the Celebrations Charizard, which I was really happy about. But um, getting back to the base set pack, I was looking up a guide to determine, you know, what could be uh shadowless what could be unlimited and it looks like with the wizards of the coast logo on this pack it is a shadowless base set pack not first edition though but it's still really incredible that i was able to find this and that somebody was willing to part with it when they did that's awesome um, i know leon hart just did his um his booster box opening for base set shadowless yeah for his very uh, candy the box break Yep. yeah not first edition i was um in that stream in the beginning and he pulled a. Uh, pulled a shadowless venusaur and a red cheeks red cheeks pikachu in the first pack nice and then by the time i stopped watching it turns out like towards the end i think he had three packs left and he pulled a charizard and that was the uh the first time anybody's pulled a shadowless charizard on a on a live stream
1: wow that all that youtuber luck going in one place he's not gonna have any good pulls for a while on his um on his modern openings
0: (laughs) yeah but outside of this one pack and pulling that uh celebrations charizard i've um just been holding on to a bunch of uh, sealed celebration stuff uh, for my own personal collection right now. Maybe flipping that if I can, um, if I can get more of the celebrations product. I know it's hard to come by, mm. but uh, that's that's pretty much it for me. What about you?
1: Um, I've been uh, hoarding some celebration stuff. I have currently, I have the Pikachu V unit that I'm keeping sealed. I have the, um, which one is this? I have the V Memories GameStop exclusive. That I'm keeping sealed. So I ended up opening one of my Lance's Charizards, and before I had opened it, I had actually purchased um, the Zekrom because you had given me a Restream, so I wanted to complete the set, and I got the Full Art Professor's Research because I wanted to be closer to completing the main set. So I opened this Charizard uh, V, Lance's Charizard V box, ended up pulling the Full Art Professor's Research, and I was like, oh, this sucks. I wish I just bought this card. The only thing that'll make this better is if I pulled a gold Mew, and next pack I pulled a gold Shiny Mew as well. So I have that. I now am one card short of completing the main set of Celebrations, but you said you're going to hook me up with that Flying Pikachu VMAX So you have so many. So I basically have the whole set complete. And now it's just on to the uh, Classic Collection. they just picking up those. I'm not sure if I want to open more Celebrations packs and buy more Celebrations product. I might see if the Lunchbox is a good value in terms of Celebration packs. It's just because um, there's a whole lot of waste Associated with a lot of the products that have celebrations packs, especially with the ETBs being so um, pricey and scalped all the time. It so really is not. The to,
0: not to mention, like all of the excess plastic that comes in these boxes. I don't know if you've noticed, but I, yeah, I feel like the lot. packaging on this is very clunky it's compared to lot. other
1: things. Um, yeah, and but... I'm running out of space in my jumbo card binder for all the, for all the jumbo cards that come with it. Also,
0: yeah. Oh, actually, you, you know, I just completed my um, my first partner pack collection. Mm-hmm. Um our our case of the Canto packs finally came in so the next time nice. I see you in person we'll have to distribute those perfect um but yeah now I have the full sealed collection I have the full open collection and my jumbo card binder the, um the, through all the first partner packs there's actually extra spaces in the back I think for like maybe four or five more jumbo cards oh good, so I have good, my good. Mewtwo V Union my Pikachu V Union back there
1: um I have I just I've been doubling up doubling them up and putting cards in the back
0: yeah, that's that's not a bad way to go either, especially if they're not very valuable jumbo cards. Yeah, because the first um, one I got was the last. What's the most recent region? Gallar or Kalos? Uh, G- Gallar. I, I yeah. think is Gen eight. Yeah,
1: yeah. that was a, that was the first one I got. So I just I put them all the way to the back. But if you're saying it's extra space, I'll have to rearrange them and try and make them all fit.
0: Yeah, because uh, right I year. have I have my first partner pack ones going in order. But um, yeah. back to what you were saying though, I I don't think I'm going to be opening too many more celebrations things if mm-hmm. at all and i think going through singles is going to be the way to go to complete sets exactly it and just I'm seems sh- like the the pull rates aren't really there even though it's just it's still a little nostalgia trip every time you go through it cuz I, I mean just about every pack has a classic collection card in it if not um one of the uh one of the vmaxes or v's from the main set uh i have so
1: many of the main set not so many of the main set non-full arts i have a whole stack of them behind me there's so many of them
0: yeah, I got a few of those too. I'm not sure what I'm gonna do with them. I, I think I might just loop them into my uh to my hollow bulk mm. and and stuff them in that way. Cause my uh my hollow bulk box holds about 1,200 cards. Yeah, And it's yeah. it's pretty full right now. So. Yeah, I might I might put a, I might put together. I have a bunch of
1: long boxes. I might bought on Amazon. I bought a pack of ten. I only opened three of them, so I have seven left. So I might make a long box for those and stick it in my in my shelf I have there. I'm not sure if I talked about this last time we recorded. I may or may not have. I don't remember. Uh, I'll do it real quick in case I did. Uh, I picked up three EX cards. I got a Skeptile EX Delta Species. Um, it's a type Sceptile. It's really cool. Um, I got a Chance of EX and a Clefable EX as well. Picked those up. One of them, one of the two, I don't remember which one, is kind of heavy play, so it was pretty cheap. I was able to get all three of those at my local game store, which is cool. So I, I'm going to start trying to pop in there once a week and see if I can grab some mid vintage EX and see what they have in there.
0: Yeah, for sure. That'd be good. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, the next time I'm at my, uh, my local game store, I'll, I'll remind you because they do have those, um, those cardboard boxes for, um, for bulk and everything. And I, they, they hold 1200 per, they do, uh, they do a three for 10 deal there. So I might pick some up for you the next time I'm over there. I have a big
1: one that holds 5,000, and then I have several smaller ones that hold 500 each, so I should be good for now. I'm going to take my 5,000 one to my local game store when it gets full, but it might take a while for it to get full, so I'm not really buying um, modern products right now, unless it's a sweet deal for a booster box. So we will have to wait on that, and then I'll end up loading that up and then taking it there and just be like, please (laughs)
0: take this off my hand. I no longer want it. (laughs) Yeah. So let's see. Moving into the actual content, the post-celebrations hangover. Um, as of today, it's the beginning of November. Halloween had just came and went. I mm-hmm. don't know if you had a costume or anything. I did not.
1: I did not. Maybe yeah. next year. Maybe next year I'll be ash.
0: Exactly. Maybe maybe next year if more people are actually doing Halloween parties, I'll, I'll do, a, do a costume or something. Exactly. But at any rate, uh, with October um, coming and going... All products in the trading card game to commemorate the 25th anniversary are out for the year. So um, with that, product availability is really scarce for some of the more coveted items, such as the Elite Trainer boxes, the Ultra Premium collection, the Pikachu VMAX box, Mini Tins, and the V-Memories box. I've seen that those ones are, are really hard to come by, and if you do find them, they're just being sold at a ridiculous markup yeah, like the uh, the Pikachu Vmax box that should be retailing at about fifty to sixty dollars. And I know that um the local game store down by you, they were selling them for one hundred and ten dollars the day after they released, yep. so and you know this. I picked up two of those from Barnes and Noble. I happened
1: to walk in before heading to the gym. Um, they had tons of product. they had tons of product there. And I see that on the shelf. I stand back. They keep them behind the counter, of course. I open my phone. I check the price on it. I see the price is like $8,500. Me, forgetting the stuff we talked about on this podcast, thought that was retail. So I walk up to the lady, like, oh, let, let me get one of these. And then she rings it up. And only it only rings out to like $45. And I was like, oh, can I please have a second one? Because I didn't realize that the scalping prices was, had already gotten that far on release day. People were already trying to sell them for double value.
0: Yeah, if you're going off a of TCG player, all of those um, those pre-market sales end up driving the price up so much.
1: It was it wasn't um, even TCG player, it was just the front page of Google, what Google was telling me. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, it was just all those those um, hot links that show up at the very top from various um, stores and stuff. It was all those. And I was like, wow, this seems kind of expensive. Let me just get one today.
0: Yeah, it, it's definitely a bit more expensive because the contents of the box, you get that Pikachu VMAX figurine, uh, cool. two Pikachu promos and then four booster packs. Yeah, two celebrations, two normal. So like, um, anything else on the market that only has like, you know, forty or so cards only goes for about twenty five, thirty bucks at the most. Yeah, so it's the
1: figure in the in the yeah, seeing, that
0: drive it up. seeing your local game store. Like I was I was going through that Barnes and Noble the day after you, and they were completely out. Uh, but yep. that game store was selling them for hundred and ten, and I said, "Are you kidding me?" There's only four packs in this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I uh, agree. De- definitely decided against it. But um, that seems like one of the really hot items that is very hard to come by at retail. Same for the ultra premium collection. I think those are the two most popular at the moment. Um, But on the other hand, I think that there are a few more abundant products for celebrations, which include the uh, the Dragapult Prime boxes, uh, the Charizard and Sylveon tins or boxes, depending on where you're buying them, Mm -hmm. Um, because I know that the tins are exclusive to, I think, Walmart. The mini and then tins? the boxes are being sold at Target, Newberry Comics, uh, GameStop in some cases, etc. Yeah, they're but, all over the um,
1: place.
0: Yeah, I've been seeing some threads on Twitter where w- some Walmarts are even discounting the Celebrations tins for uh, Lance's Charizard and Dark Sylveon. Wow. For as low as like $5. I mean, the thing That's retails for good. 25 but some people are posting like discounted items or the rollback price mm-hmm. for like 15 bucks or 10 bucks. So people are getting lucky there. And I the, uh, the tin
1: for that, because like like we were saying, it's less wasteful. Yeah, I
0: don't, I don't tins the tins are card. the tins are less wasteful, and at the same time, I learned that those tins have six celebrations packs as opposed to the boxes, which have four. Yep, yep. Which is uh, to which tins. is incredible to, to know to that the they tins. they had two variations of uh, of one promo. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I like um,
1: how they're doing, they're packaging those. Um... You only get the Jumbo Sylveon with the Sylveon box. You get the Jumbo Lance's Charizard with both the, with the V-Memories and the Lance box. Let me just double check. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, there's a Jumbo Lance's Charizard in there. So the only way to get the Jumbo Sylveon is to buy the actual official box.
0: Yeah. And so I, I do have one of those, and I'm pretty happy of, uh, of having that. Yeah, I got one of those as well. I got a, I got a sealed V-Memories box uh, over in my little, uh, my little bookshelf next to my desk.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I might on get a sealed, a um, the Ultra Premium Pink Collection, the one with, uh, Zasin. I might get a sealed one of those. I yeah, that target. would be nice. Yeah, I might check that out, because
0: I'm in the area. But outside of the, uh, Celebrations products that released in October, um, well, actually, the first partner packs are now completed with the release of the Kanto starters. Um, others from earlier in the year are harder to find now, because they are out of print. These were limited release packs, so it's going to be increasingly hard to find all eight generations of packs. So, everybody that's been collecting over the past eight months that has a full sealed set now, kudos to you. I'm one of those people. Kofi will be one of those people. Yeah, um, I gotta
1: figure out which ones I don't have and then overpay for them, probably.
0: But, um, all in all, when it comes to market price, the Kanto and Johto packs, in terms of the jumbo card prices, are the most expensive. Um, so even though the ones that were printed in February for the 8th generation, March for the 7th generation, and so on leading up to October, uh, even though they're out of print right now, their price levels are not as uh, not as expensive as the Kanto and Johto, just because Kanto okay. and Johto are a little more popular. But then from, from there, everything that wasn't released in October, older 25th anniversary trading card games products are now officially out of print. Mm-hmm. And maybe very hard to come by again for um, whatever market value or deal that they were incorporated in. And that applies specifically to the General Mills packs in the, uh, the cereal boxes, along with the McDonald's packs.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure how much the um, General Mills packs will appreciate. I think the McDonald's packs have some staying power. Obviously, the market there is kind of like fluctuating, but I think in like three to four years, those are going to be a very good investment long term.
0: Yeah, they they definitely have better longevity just because the packs are four cards. Every single card in there is a starter with one guaranteed holo of a starter, including Pikachu, too. Mm -hmm. Um, But the General Mills packs, like, every single pack has a holo Pikachu. And then I think there's, like, maybe eight or nine more cards in that set that you can collect that are also holo. So the General Mills packs are definitely not going to be the big ticket item between the two of them. It's definitely the McDonald's packs. Mm-hmm. but um at that those are very hard to come by if you can find one uh in terms of the mcdonald's packs for around five dollars because that's like the going rate of a happy meal which what they were sold in initially <laughs> yeah, exactly. at the beginning of the year if you can get one for that price i feel like that's a pretty good deal especially mm. if it's in the same like cardboard um package that it comes in instead of just buying the individual pack yeah i think that's the that's the way to go
1: um. Yeah, I'm looking at the prices for some of these first partner packs, and they're all the like you said, the ones that are older are kind of hovering around. If basically Johto to the um, seven, eight, or six, seven, eight generations are all fifteen dollars and up. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what the market you're you're in, end up paying for the market there. But that's not too bad. Um, in my eyes, I can pick up maybe a couple. Um, a month. I w- I want to get two of each. Obviously, one sealed and one open collection. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to be breaking the bank too too much on those as much as I thought I was. And how many packs again? Those two packs,
0: uh, two packs for which one? Sorry,
1: um, the first partner packs. Yeah,
0: two, two packs. Okay, so they're, yeah. they're varying sets. Uh, I, I think the earlier ones had sun and moon base and then whatever the current uh, set was when they were released. Yeah. Um, so I know for the Kanto packs, I opened one of them the other day. It was Evolving Skies and a Sword and Shield base. I was going to ask you
1: if they had any celebrations packs in those ones?
0: no, i would I would really have liked to see that. But I think that these things went into production and were already sealed before celebrations even released, yeah, yeah. but um yeah, it it's so. kind of a grab bag for the um for the packs that you get in the first partner packs, yeah. but at any rate, you're in it for the jumbo cards. I, I mean, mm. I, I've from what I've seen opening my own first partner packs, the pull rates in, those uh those two booster packs that they throw in there are abysmal. Yeah, yeah. Through through sixteen packs, I got one secret rare, and that was it. I think I've also
1: got maybe one or two through the thing. I've I've only gotten one good pull from um an extra pack that comes at any celebrations things. Those are off. I only got one um full art um what did I get full art colossus maybe. So okay. Other than that, those those pulls are not great. <laughs> not great at all.
0: Yeah. Um, so let's see. From there, um, in terms of the overall market for celebrations, the product pricing in terms of the individual cards continues to fall pretty slowly over the last few weeks, and they will probably continue that way for the next few weeks. Mm. But we're not really seeing much else in crazy price swings or drops. Yeah, um there's a in terms of the overall modern market, there is a slight decline in sets that are included in the celebrations boxes. Mm-hmm. And those are typically Darkness Ablaze, Battle Styles, Chilling Rain, Short and Shield Base Set, and Vivid Voltage. Yeah, Basically, so anything that's been it. released in the last year and a half, two years, mm-hmm. seems to be included as, as regular packs for um, for Celebrations. Because Celebrations yeah. product doesn't include Evolving Skies. Um, so all, Evolving doesn't... Skies, I think, is, uh, is going to stay as a, a pretty consistent market in terms of the card pricing. But it looks like everything else uh, that's included here is, is just going to be dipping a little bit. I swore I opened some evolving skies in one of my celebration
1: thing, but maybe I didn't. Maybe it was something else. Hmm, that's interesting. That's very interesting. I did not know that. All right, so you were talking about the vintage market earlier. So the vintage market has been holding steady, according to your research. So how does that? Is that what? What time period does that go up to? Are we seeing the kind of like staying in the price and no real declines?
0: I think the vintage market, as it stands now, as we start aging a little bit more, it goes up to the Ruby Sapphire series. So when we first get the introduction of the uh, the EX cards, yeah, like uh, like Team Rocket returns, and leading up to Delta Species, I think is what is consistent of vintage now. Okay. Um, obviously, everything pre two thousand four, where Wizards of the Coast was releasing the cards. Mm -hmm. that that's guaranteed vintage because that was before we uh we we switched um production companies from wizards to just nintendo or pokemon company international but i think some of the earlier sets from the pokemon company and nintendo itself are considered vintage too Mm. Um, so anything from like 2005 prior i i would consider to be true vintage for pokemon okay
1: I think I've noticed an uptick in popularity in terms of a lot of the Gen 4 stuff as well. So maybe that might be the next thing to kind of pop off here. Um, I've been looking back into my Prime card collection. Some of those cards are a little pricier than they were when I first started doing it. So I think that market is starting to kind of pop up as those people that grew up with those games get a little bit earlier. And obviously you have the remakes coming out maybe next week, I think. I think it's um, it's,
0: uh, the the 12th or the 14th. So yeah, it's coming up very soon for the release of uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, right?
1: Yeah, I'm excited. I'm about to maybe pick those up near release day and try and play through them. Maybe throw yeah, on those... some Seinfeld or Malcolm in the Middle and just play some Pokemon.
0: Oh, There you go. Two <laughs> classic shows for yeah, a classic exactly. game. Um, but yeah, I I will say that the vintage market is holding very steadily because I do have a lot of these cards that were uh, reprinted in the Classic Collection for Celebrations. And mm-hmm. the overall market price uh, for a couple of cards, it's gone down like maybe 3 to $5. Yeah. But everything else is really held steady like there's been no fluctuation in their market value when Mm. celebrations was released so that's good it really goes to show that the original print of a card is is going to hold out
1: on value that's awesome that's awesome all right you want to talk in some modern stuff some new release stuff
0: yeah i think we're we're pretty much done with celebrations so we're uh we're you know we're cleaning the slate there
1: yeah all right, so we got Fusion Strike coming out uh, November 12th with the largest TCG set, more than Chilling Rain, because um, there's a lot of holdover cards from a lot of cards that cut from Evolving Skies, or a lot of cards got cut from Chilling Rain, a lot of cards got cut from Evolving Skies, and all those cards have to make it right back into um, uh, Fusion Strike, but apparently this should be the last kind of catch-up set we get for a little while, so hopefully it'll start being more one-to-one. But I don't know about you, but these sets are a little too... I would like it... I wish we'd go back to when a set just had... 100 cards and then maybe bring it to 150 with secret rares and stuff. I this over 200 card stuff, it's way too hard to complete a set just by pulling cards now. It really is. Packs.
0: Um, and we were ambitious with our chilling rain pulls, uh, we yeah. were trying to do a master set for that because it was the largest, uh, largest set in Pokemon history at that time. Mm. And now it seems like in 2021 it's already being surpassed, so it makes yeah. me worry about the you know the pull rates and everything for Fusion Strike. Mm. where chilling rain was impossibly tough. How did we get a 300 card set? <laughs> yeah. It'll it'll take a long time to do that mm. for sure. Yeah, that, um, that's what you think. Yeah, Leonhart did a booster box opening for Fusion Strike and the uh, the pull rates in that one specific booster box granted he got it a few weeks before release.
1: Mm-hmm. It
0: wasn't very good. He got one um one full art card, one Vmax card and that was that was really it for the big pulls for that set. Yeah. Um, especially when there are so many secret rares in that set and you're really supposed to expect a 1 in 36 chance of pulling a secret rare mm-hmm. he didn't get anything in that booster box so it's, yeah. um, it, it just shows to me that it's going to be a very hard set to get good pulls from um, and another indicator too is that on the Pokemon Center website the pre-orders for the booster boxes and the Elite Trainer boxes stayed up for days instead of selling out within minutes Yeah. So it really shows that there's a, there's kind of a lack of enthusiasm for this new set. Um, It's going to be underwhelmingly received in the wake of celebrations, but, um, you know, with that, those that are faithful to the trading card game are definitely going to buy product. I know if I'm, if I find any, um, any elite trainer boxes or loose booster packs for retail, I'll probably buy a few just to try my luck. Yeah. But, um, you know, at the very least, the pre release cards look really cool in that, because you get the Deoxys, you get the Latias. Oh, I might try um, to try and pick those up on eBay. Yeah, those ones look really nice.
1: Yeah, I'm going to start a search for those, definitely. Like, I got but, the um, the other one, the yeah. Zapdos.
0: Yeah, but another thing that's um, really unique to Fusion Strike, it seems like from now on the, uh, the code cards that you get in the back are receiving a new format. So, hmm. um, instead of being horizontally aligned, they are now vertically aligned. They incorporate the green and white code card artwork. In the information for the Pokemon Trading Card Game online, but the uh, the new indicator is uh, if you get a code card with a white border, that is the new green code, and if you get a card with a black border, that's the new white code. So I feel like somebody in the production office got bored and just decided <laughs> to spice it up a little bit. But it's not too hard to figure out. But that might be the format we're looking at for the next couple of years. You think these new code cards are going to make pack weighing uh, more viable for modern? Uh, that remains to be seen. I mean, the only um, opportunity I've been able to see these new code card formats were through that Leon Hart video. Yeah. But I'm sure that as the pre pre-rele- pre releases come out and the the set drops in the next week or two, that we'll see um we'll we'll see somebody providing an analysis as to how the weight of those code cards in influences the total weight of the pack. Exactly. All
1: right, moving on. We have new Pokemon Battle Legions drops in February. You want to talk about this whole?
0: Yeah. So there's a couple releases leading up to Battle Legion in February, but I felt like we wanted to cover it first because our namesake is the Amazing Rare podcast. We have a full Amazing Rare collection each right now, and we are just in love with those um, with that subset that's been uh, showcased in a few few sets throughout the past couple of years so far. I think it was uh, cards. Vivid Voltage, Shining Fates were the, uh, the two sets that the Amazing Rares have come out of so far. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it's, been, it's been hinted that Battle Legion is going to include new Amazing Rare cards because this aligns with a couple of releases that came uh, in years past for Japan specifically where they introduced um, the Amazing Rare format. So having a couple new cards speculatively put into this subset, it makes me really giddy because I really do like the Amazing Rares. I feel like it's a great subset to collect for for Modern because the, the cards are so unique. It's textured foil where the artwork uh, just pops out out of the original box, so it's not like a technical full art, but it's just a, a really great style and a, and a fun subset to collect. But um, with that, I, I think that... With, um, for now, we have what nine amazing rare cards we have Jirachi, Rayquaza, Celebi, uh, Zacian, Zamasenta, Raikou, uh, Kyogre, mm-hmm. and uh, Reshiram. Along with, um, let's see, there were one or two more.
1: I know that's all of them. You got all nine, didn't you? Are you? You saw Celebi and Jirachi,
0: yeah, yeah. I said those at the beginning,
1: okay, yeah. Then I think
0: you got them all. Uh, let's see, I said Kyogre and Reshiram, I think there's one more in there to make the full nine, but I honestly forget which one it is. But with uh, that, um, yeah. it seems like, you know, they have a lot of opportunity to expand on Gen 2 and finish up Gen 3 for the Amazing Rares, so um, getting into a little bit of speculation time here. I think with the modern sets where Deoxys is a feature for Fusion Strike, Suicune has been featured in Evolving Skies, I think that the next amazing rares that are going to come out, possibly in this set, are going to be Groudon, Entei, and Zekrom. Mm. But what about, what about you? What do you think?
1: Um, I think my um, theory is Darkrai, Lugia, and Zekrom, as well as Entei. That was what I'm thinking. Um, I'm, I, it's honestly surprising to me that we have... Um, what do you call it? Um... Raikou got an Amazing Rare, because Raikou is the, the most disrespected legendary in the whole entire TCG, in, in my humble opinion. He doesn't get any sort of, in TCG and anime, doesn't get nearly as much play as the other two, so the fact that he got an Amazing Rare card is completely surprising to me. So I think we get Entei next. Uh, Zekrom, you got to match Reshiram, and I think you need to have some sort of Gen 4 Pokemon to um, capitalize on the remakes, and then obviously Lugi is a classic, so that's kind of the reasoning for my picks.
0: Yeah, no, that's pretty good. I feel like with with each release of um, new additions to the Amazing Rare subset, you get one new generation thrown in there. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a strong possibility that you could be right about um, another Gen 2 that's not a legendary dog being put in. So having a Lugia or a Ho-Oh would be awesome. Although we did see two new card variants of both of those in the Celebration set. That is a very good point. And when we were talking about it earlier, there were no legendary dogs in the Celebration set. So I think, I think Entei's a ringer. is definitely a ringer for the, uh, for the new Amazing Rare subset editions. Um, yeah. But let's see, yeah. Battle Legion drops in Japan in February. Um, and before Battle Legion, VMAX Climax... <laughs> what a terrible name. What a- releases in December. And then um, Starbirth is going to release in January. So adding on to uh, the speculation of Amazing Rares in the February set for Battle Legion VMAX Climax is including character rares like Cosmic Eclipse did with the uh, with Dawn's Piplup and Ash's Pikachu Um, so in VMAX Climax I think the big chase card is going to be Maze Blaziken because that's already been revealed
1: Hmm. I like that Um, card I like bringing back some of the older trainers I know Misty has gotten a lot of um, features in a car uh, in the TCG I wonder if Dawn will have the same thing for her as well
0: That would be really nice. I know uh, PokeBeach does have a a good article about the character rares that have already been introduced. I don't know if they are going to be more on top of it. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you for sure that Maze Blaziken is going to be like the chase for this set. Oh, I'm going to be be going after it. I'm going to definitely be going after it. (laughs) And then um, in January, we have Star Birth, which is the introduction of a new play type, uh, V-Star Cards. Mm -hmm. It's going to be featuring Arceus as the chase for the set. and it's it's aligning with uh with pokemon um pokemon legends arceus the release Mm -hmm. of that open world video game um so with character rares unique to v max climax star birth introducing v star cards i think it's very safe to say that battle legion is going to expand on the amazing rare subset
1: yeah um i really hope that. They do, because obviously we love Amazing Rares. I just think that those cards have some... It's very unique art without it having to be a full art, because I feel like people only really care about full art chase cards, and I think Amazing Rares kind of brings some flair back to regular size artwork that we used to see back in the old days.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. And on top of that, in terms of the modern trading card game, in terms of uh, competitiveness, the Amazing rare cards actually give players such a big advantage because they have big, meaningful attacks with good effects. And Mm -hmm. if you get that Pokemon knocked out, it's only worth one prize card as opposed to like a VMAX where it's worth two or three, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So the Amazing Rares so far have been just as powerful as V and VMAX cards. So it'll be really interesting to see if they can continue adding onto this and give a little more competitive play to the actual trading card game. Because I know there's a lot of people that play exclusively the online game with all the code cards that they get. Um, but I have seen that in my local, uh, card stores that they have been opening up Pokemon tournaments recently, just because oh, there's awesome. been a lot of, uh, a lot of influx in, you know, the craze for people that are trying to collect. Mm-hmm. So it just goes to show that, you know, out of all of these collectors, maybe there's a small percentage that wants to play competitively with what they pull. And, um, it, it's really cool just to see an overall resurgence in Pokemon popularity over the last yeah. year.
1: Yeah, that's it's obviously that's an amazing thing to see. And I'm just glad that we're able to get these new sets with kind of like twists on current modern things as well. I hope they kind of start bringing back some vintage stuff. Maybe I want some like a new um, gym set with some modern hero, with some modern uh, gym uh, leaders as well as maybe some modern trainers as well, like putting their names in the card. Maybe celebrations re-spark the popularity for that. Because I know, like you said, they're doing the ones where they're just uh, featured in the artwork, but I really like to have their name on the card again.
0: Yeah, and that would really be fantastic because I know that they did um, with uh, the, the new Gen 3 remake that they did for the 3DS, they did Team Aqua and Team Magma cards. Mm-hmm. But you're right, they haven't done anything specific to gym leaders since, um, since Gym Heroes and Gym Challenge. I feel like they're long overdue for it, and now they have eight full generations of gym trainers to go through. Yeah. So it, well, I, it seems I like know a no brainer. Japanese only
1: first set. Japan has a, the first set. I'm not sure what year that came out, but they've had that for a little while.
0: Yeah, but I'd like to see it in English. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe exactly. maybe we'll see that in 2022. Are are we are we calling it now?
1: Yeah, yeah. We're going to see some trainer cards, official trainer cards, names in the title in 2022. Definitely.
0: All right, we're we're calling it. You heard it here first, folks.
1: <laughs> All right. Is that everything we have for the TCG news today?
0: Yeah, that pretty much covers it. I mean, we had a pretty robust coverage of uh, of celebrations in in terms of what it's looking like today, and then gave a couple. Uh, couple months worth of information to begin i'm looking at um poke beach right now and i i will just add in that um as of today at 10 a.m we were officially given the announcement of um the first pokemon set in english for 2022 Mm -hmm. it's going to be called brilliant stars uh it's going to be based on the Starbirth set Opening in January for Japan, it's going nice. to give us the RCS V Star and the new V Star play type. Um, features 100 cards before secret rares, so it seems like it's going to be a little bit smaller. Yes, or actually, no, sorry, that was the Japan set. The English set is going to be uh, 172 cards before secret rares. Oh, so my it's gosh. <laughs> definitely smaller than the ones that we've been seeing recently for English in terms of Evolving Skies, uh, Fusion Strike coming up in a couple weeks, and you know chilling rain etc so at least the set's a little bit smaller but it seems like the english sets are always catching up to japan where they're trying to throw in a bunch of stuff Mm -hmm. um because i think for fusion strike it's it's incorporating all the stuff that was cut from the previous english sets this year which is why it's the biggest one
1: yeah so i wonder what this what this v star is going to have this v star set's going to have in it
0: yeah should be interesting but we'll have more information on that in uh in forthcoming episodes so mm-hmm. stay tuned for a little bit more info for you know future pokemon releases yeah but with that it does wrap up our tcg news so we're going to revive the metronome minute for tonight
1: All uh, so, right. we're going to talk about so we didn't we unfortunately well, neither of us are able to watch the pokemon movie but we did watch a very good movie recently and that is dune and holt is a super big dune fan probably the biggest dune fan i know probably even the biggest dune fan you know unless you know someone that was around in the 80s so i don't know how you want to do this whole but i was thinking i was going to give you my impressions as a non-dune head i don't know what you guys call each other dunies whatever i'm
0: non-dune i don't, fan. I don't even think that the community is that strong <laughs> to have a term for people that really like dune yeah i can just tell you that it's it's really my favorite sci-fi because um it, it, a little bit of backstory, when I was at a track meet in San Diego, uh, at this point five years ago, I was, um, I was stuck in the airport uh, due to a six-hour delay for my flight back to Boston, and they had this whole exhibition for, for Dune uh, based on the books, the movies, and TV shows that released in the um, 80s and 90s, and they just had this whole exhibit for it in the, in the airport there. So I had already read um, the main books for the series, but I was going through all of it and I saw how everything had tied into modern sci-fi, where Dune was like the first thing to really spark people's creativity for, for modern sci-fi. So it made me read the rest of the series right after that. Um, and I read all of the like, oh gosh, I don't know, 15 or so Dune books. Wow. So it, it was a lot of reading. It was a lot of fun. Really good sci-fi. But um, George Lucas, the creator of Star Wars, he took a lot of inspiration from Dune into what he created. And we'll get into that in a little bit um, after Kofi gives his impressions.
1: All right. So I enjoyed the movie. Visually, it was really cool. The sci-fi elements are really cool. Um, my only one complaint about the movie is I don't really know why I should care about any of these characters There's a lot of exposition done through like um, voiceovers and um, the video video books that um, Timothy Chalamet's character, Paul, is reading in the beginning that kind of tells you about the Fremen and their whole religion and their way of life. The Fremen are super cool. I really like them. And let me just run you through what I kind of think the plot is here. So the um, oh, God, what's the the monarch Not the monarch? What's the um, what's that big fat guy's name who floats?
0: Uh, Baron Vladimir von Harkonnen. Yes,
1: yes, the Baron. So, what I'm understanding is the... then there's an emperor who's above these three families. The Baron's family, and then you have the um, Paul's family, and you have a, the third one, correct?
0: Well, yeah, Paul's family is the Atreides, and yep. then um, what hasn't been shown so far is the actual controller of the royal houses of the universe, the emperor.
1: Yeah. Okay, and then you have the, the Harkonnen, is, that's the Baron's family, correct? Yep, that's correct. So, so for some reason, the Harkonnen gave up control of arrakis. I wasn't one hundred percent sure why they would do that, or maybe the Emperor forced them to do it, but they gave up control of arrakis. um the uh, Paul's family moves in there and they realize that all the spice farms are like so crappy. They can't like get any sort of spice. they can't do anything with it. And then the baron comes back and murders them. So what was his like motivation there? So is do the families rotate who controls arrakis to make sure that the spice um is evenly the spice profits or evenly distributed or? did the Harkaden just get forced to give it up and they took it back by force?
0: Not necessarily. Um, so not to, to... Well, it will spoil what's going to be coming for the Part 2 if they ever make it. It's but, very um, high greenlit. The, uh, yeah, the Dune movie only covers the first half of the book, um, Dune, yeah. which is the original for the series. Mm-hmm. So what happens in this entire um, conundrum is that uh, this was a gigantic ploy For the Emperor to eliminate House Atreides, which was um, perceived by him as the biggest threat to his rule over the universe. So the Harkonnens and the Atreides have a long history of infighting, where they are sworn enemies. Uh, The Harkonnens did control Dune, but with the Atreides becoming the more influential and powerful house in the Lansrad, which is the uh, collection of royal houses, which are controlled by the Emperor... The emperor gave the Atreides uh, Arrakis for spice production because they were the most important house. And that's usually how it goes. The, the Harkonnens were taken over by the Atreides in terms of the most influential and the most powerful. Mm. But with that, the Harkonnens had a shady dealing behind everybody's back with the, uh, the emperor's approval that they would lure the Atreides into this and uh, you know just kill them off and take control of Arrakis again.
1: Ah, uh, okay, that makes so sense. So, what sense. we're gonna
0: see in part two is uh, the Lady Jessica and Paul Atreides becoming one with the Fremen and then uh, leading a revolt to take out House Harkonnen once and for all. Ah, uh, gotcha, gotcha. So,
1: how I don't actually—I'm not gonna ask this question. I don't want to know how the other houses fit in because I want to be able to see it in the movie. So I like, I really like the fremen walk. I like how they have to walk like the sand. I also enjoy how the thumping attracts the worms. I think the rhythmic stuff—that's a really nice touch—that the worms are drawn to, the, like the rhythmic nature of walking and stuff like that. That kind of set them off. I think that makes the adds an element, extra element of danger to the whole desert that I really enjoyed.
0: Yeah, no, it was really well done, and I think that this um, this rendition of Dune compared to the 1984 movie and the uh, the limited sci-fi series in the early 2000s. Yeah, this was the the most um, accurate in terms of really following the 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 scripture that was written in the original book. They followed the source very well. Mm. Um, There were a few things that they left out in in this movie. Where like we were already supposed to see the Emperor in in the first Dune movie because um, when House Atreides first got to Arrakis, the Emperor visits for like a big royal banquet and everything
1: oh really okay so maybe maybe have they even cast the emperor maybe there's going to be some sort of reveal that he's um
0: a pretty big star they um yeah they haven't cast the emperor yet they haven't cast his daughter the princess they haven't cast um they actually even haven't casted paul's foil um which will come to a, a nice climax at the second half of the book or the second dune movie
1: nice um
0: so, back in the 1980s rendition, the, uh, the foil to Paul, uh, Fade Rautha, is, mm-hmm. is their name, of House Harkonnen. He was played by Sting. The uh, Really? Yeah, the musician, uh, part That's of the awesome. police and all that. He was part of that movie. Um, Josh Brolin plays Gurney Halleck in, yep. in this rendition. Sir Patrick Stewart played Gurney Halleck in the 1984 movie.
1: Wait, Gurney Halleck died in the raid, right? Because I know uh, Jason Momoa's character also died. Or, uh, what was Duncan? Duncan died.
0: Yeah, Duncan Idaho died in Dune. Um, yep. Again, spoiler, Gurney does not die. Um, right, cool. But at that, it it really depends on how far they want to take this series. Because if they just finish it with just Dune one and done for one book, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. But in the future Dune books, uh, Duncan Idaho does come back.
1: Oh, no way. That's awesome.
0: And there's some, there's some messed up sci-fi <laughs> Science along with that, yes sci-fi tiny, It, it does stuff. it does make for really good stuff. I, I mean, the yeah. longer you follow uh, Frank Herbert's Dune lore, the more convoluted and twisted and confusing it gets. <laughs> but uh, you give somebody enough time to explain it in terms of wording, and it'll make sense. Yeah, but, no, I get you. Um, I get you. Overall, I was very excited to see this movie. I saw it in IMAX 3D. The surround sound was fantastic. The was audio awesome. quality and having Hans Zimmer do the score was incredible. Um, the visual effects, too, were, I think, the best out of any modern sci-fi to date.
1: I'm going to go see the second one in the theater. I watched the first one on HBO Max, but it's yeah. not going to be like that anymore, so I'm going to definitely have to go to a big theater and see it. Because um,
0: Yeah, the new Star Wars movies were too in-your-face with everything. Mm-hmm. The way that um, the way that Frank Vellinue, or however you pronounce it, Dennis oh, Vel- Villanueva.
1: Yeah, uh, Vel- Dennis Villanueva.
0: Villanueva, Villanu, whatever. Um, (laughs) The way that he does his visual presentations for sci-fi movies is fantastic because Mm. you get to see the influence that Arrival had on this movie in terms of presentation. Arrival, I think, is one of the best modern sci-fi's as well. Love that movie. Just because the visual effects are so stunning, yeah, and they really they nailed it down to a T. Like when the Gesserit came to uh, Planet Caladan before House Atreides was uh, was going to Arrakis. When they arrived, that scene was like low key menacing. Oh yeah. In terms of how they arrived. And then um when you see um Seleuza Secondus, the the planet for the Sarakar, which is yeah. the Emperor's uh, the Emperor's private army. Mm-hmm. The way that they did that scene too was incredible. Yeah. Uh, with the, the Mongolian throat singing almost almost giving a techno vibe to it. Like <laughs> there was a there was a huge 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 aesthetic to it that i i really enjoyed no, because it, it is it is partly how i envisioned it when i first read the book years ago yeah um but there are so many memes being made about that scene now i think i've posted that it uh, posted them in our discord i don't know if you've seen them in our little spoiler room chatter oh yeah a lot of those like, are
1: for, now, now that i have the contact those make a lot more sense
0: yeah they're kind of funny too mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think overall this is a really well-done movie. Um, Pandemic aside, I think that it's showing really strong box office numbers, and it really is a must-watch for anybody that really enjoys sci-fi, and I think the book as well is a must-read for those that
1: really enjoy sci-fi. Not on the book part. I'm I'm not really much of a fiction reader anymore, but the movie's definitely a must-watch.
0: Yeah, and so on our our Plex server, you have the older Dune movies. Yeah. Um, So... I'm not asking you to re- to watch through the entire 1984 movie but watch through like the first 20 minutes and see how how different it is because you it's know so how they long. have the the visual representation of like the body shields in this yeah, new yeah, one yeah, yeah. yeah Oh my god 1984 they're just block people when they put the shield on. Oh no. I'll, um, <laughs> I'll send you I'll send you a short video um yeah, a little, let me see little that. a little bit after this where it's um it's that scene between Paul and Gurney Halleck
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they're fighting in the beginning. Yeah, but when yep. they're
0: training in the beginning, and I'll yeah. I'll send you that video, and you can just see how how far along we've come in
1: technology since 1984. Nice. I, I can't wait to see this. It's gonna remind me of Tron. Tron, allowed blocky CGI, just the same as the 80s.
0: Oh, that's the that's the first thing that came to mind when yeah. I watched it. It was yeah. it was really that bad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't wait to check that. Check that video out.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we definitely talked about Dune for more than a metronome minute. But um, yeah, we're we kind of long rate, in the pot here. Yeah, I was I was very excited to see this movie. I'd been waiting on it for a long time because it kept getting postponed. But they did a fantastic job. I think it's the best modern sci-fi of our generation so far. So anybody who's interested, give it a watch. But aside from that, we will talk more exclusively on Pokemon in our next episode. Our next metronome definitely. minute. Because I, I think our next Metronome Minute will um, will recap Pokemon evolutions, the yep. uh, the new short series that's been coming out for the 25th mm-hmm. anniversary.
1: Yeah, the episode is trickling uh, out kind of slowly, so we're going to try and do a batch in batch drop so We have a lot, a little more to talk about. Yeah,
0: and then from there, I think next episode we'll actually continue our movie review again.
1: Yep, but, um, I get it.
0: With that, I think that concludes episode 17, the celebrations hangover special. and uh and with that we're we're looking forward to give you guys more news in terms of the pokemon trading card game as we move forward into the next year and with that i'm holt
1: and i'm kofi and thank you very much for listening and everyone have an amazing day